Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. I have a couple uh, missionaries in studio with me today. Super fun. They've been on with us a few times, so maybe you've heard their voices before. Uh, the Reverend James and Angela Sharp, who serve the Lord in Uruguay. Yes. Thanks for joining me today in studio. Thank you for having us. So this is kind of fun. We get to we've been able to follow your story uh, fairly closely over the last what couple of years. We got to talk to you guys remotely a few times during during the pandemic. During the pandemic that's still going on, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you guys in studio while you guys are here in the states in the flesh. We get to catch up a little bit. So first of all, let's uh, to, to paint a picture of where you guys serve. Uh, tell me about uh, where you are in Uruguay and, and the state of Lutheranism there and, and some of the cultures, some of the highlights of, of where you are, where you actually live. Okay. Uh, Uruguay is a small country in South America between Brazil and Argentina. It's about the size of Missouri and it has about a little over 3 million people. And of those 3 million, about half live in the capital, Montevideo, where we live. Uh, so it, that's on the southern coast. So you have like half the people in Montevideo and the other half of the people kind of strewn about the interior with cows. There are about <laughs> 10 million cows in Uruguay. And the historically, the we had one congregation in Montevideo and a school. And over the last 10 years or so, they've been pretty intentional about trying to start new ministries, and now we have a mission in northern Uruguay and a couple missions around the Montevideo area and continue to, to expand and, and add new ministries. So what is what is your role? Uh, what do you actually get to do kind of the, the day-to-day of your work? I'm a church planner, so I'm supposed to be starting new ministries, uh, gathering people together, uh, catechizing new Christians, and also the, the people that we have, I really spend a lot of my mental energy, if not necessarily that much time, in trying to identify and train leaders for the Lutheran Church of Uruguay. And you have uh, partner, partner church, part, partners that, that you work with right. doing our, this work? Our church sister church there is the Lutheran Church of Uruguay, uh, which started from Missouri Synod Mission work back in the 1930s and has been an independent church for about 20 years now. And uh, we serve alongside, there are currently five Brazilian pastors uh, who came from our sister church in Brazil, and some of whom have been there a long time, over 20 years, and and, uh, the main parish pastor has been there over 10 years. So we're we're part of a team uh, working alongside our our sister church there and, and trying to expand their ministry, really. Yeah. Angela, what about you? What is what is your work look like? My role is international educator. And uh, that's a few different things, actually, um, which keeps me busy and never <laughs> bored. Uh, but I teach middle school and, and high school classes. I teach math classes in English. Our school is a bilingual school. And so the, uh, the kids who attend our school have a Spanish curriculum. But on top of their Spanish curriculum, they're also learning English and learning other classes in English. So I teach math and English. I also teach English, most of those students 
um, our adolescents and adults who are learning English from zero or just want to practice fluency and conversation uh, and improve their English for work or for personal reasons, travel, etc. Um, and really, that part of my job is more of an outreach kind of thing. Um, I have a lot of people who are interested in learning English from a native speaker. And they know that I'm an English teacher and I'm a native speaker. And so that's really appealing to them. Um, but you actually get really close to them. You get to mm -hmm. build that relationship and really get to know them. And, and then you get to share with them, you know, things about you and why you're living in a different country, <laughs> why, how you ended up in Uruguay, and, and really tell about your faith and, and share with them what you believe. Mm -hmm. What are some of those conversations that you've been able to have with people? <laughs> well, the initial one is always why. You know, why are you here? And, and so the, the simple answer is we're missionaries. You know, my husband is a pastor. I'm a teacher. We're working here with the Lutheran Church of Uruguay. Um, and then I kind of leave it there for a little while because the interesting part to me is after we build those relationships and after we get to know them a little bit more, they always come back with questions. And sometimes it's questions like, well, what do Lutherans believe? You know, how, how is that different from other uh, denominations and, and what does that mean? Sometimes it's like, you know, what does faith mean to you? Sometimes it's what is baptism and, and do you baptize children? And um, so all sorts of questions. And those are the real opportunities that I look forward to. Mm -hmm. what, is, what is the general knowledge, I suppose, of the religious landscape mm. of the people that you teach? I think that varies wildly yeah. because I I do have a lot of students who maybe their family um, was Catholic or they identify even as Catholic, even though they might not know a lot about the Catholic faith even. Mm -hmm. um, but I do also in the children's ministry activities that we do meet a lot of children who really don't know very much. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like starting at the beginning, you know, telling them about Noah and Moses and Abraham and, and Joseph and and really giving them that background that I think a lot of students in the United States have already, even though they might not be, you know, regular members and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. What is, uh, tell me about the school. Uh, what What is the school like and uh, and who is it for? The school started as just a, a school with the church, with the congregation. It was mm -hmm. a small school. But over the, the years, it's really grown. And now we have 1,800 students from nursery through high school. And um, so it, now it, it's a good school. You know, people send their, their kids there because it's a, a great school, but they're really getting so much more because we do have a Lutheran identity and we get to talk about what we believe. Mm-hmm. What is that reception of um, of hearing about Christ with if it's people in the school or people out in the community? How, how receptive are people to hearing about the gospel? Not very, mm -hmm. I think is probably the, the quick answer. Uh, like Angie was saying, we try to have activities and ministries where you have a, an opportunity to build a relationship over the long term because... Uruguayans don't like religion. They're kind of antagonistic to religion. They have their minds sort of made up. About 60% of Uruguayans are either atheist or agnostic or, mm. or non-religious, intentionally non-religious. And so they they really aren't interested in hearing about religion, at least not initially. And so you have to come from a perspective of friendship, of, of genuinely caring about people and caring about where they are. And then, like Angie said, the questions will come eventually once they trust you. 
Uh, and, and it depends. Our school population is mostly upper middle class, you know, the kind of people that spend the money to send their kids to expensive private schools. Mm-hmm. And so they can be a little more culturally conservative and some of them are a little more religious or at least open to the idea that, okay, religion isn't a total terrible thing and it's okay if my kids learn a bit a little bit of religion because maybe they'll make them mind me better or something like that <laughs> because they think that religion is essentially moralism. Mm. But other people are really much more antagonistic and, and aren't re- really interested in hearing anything at all. And we've even had times when we were doing something relatively innocent, like just having a Bible study in a, a public place or something like that. And once people realized it, it was something religious, they, they would leave or they would uh, ask us to leave uh, oh. even and things like that have happened. So it, your average Uruguayan is not super interested in, in hearing the gospel, at least not initially. So you really have to get them to a place where you can explain to them that the gospel, that Christianity is not rules, it's not moralism, it's about what God does for us in Jesus. And that really is something they've never heard before. So I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times then people are actually kind of interested to hear about that because it's just something interesting. You know, it's, it's something they've never heard before. Yeah. How do you, how do you even do that? How do you, how are you able to connect with uh, these people in order to even have those conversations? I think it helps being American, actually, uh. <laughs> which is not always the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, it makes us weird and different. <laughs> Most Uruguayans aren't super interested in making new friends. Uh, mm. They don't want to try new foods. They don't want to do new things. They're they're kind of stuck in their ways a lot. They <laughs> they remind me of. Will you cut this part out where I, where I say they remind me of Midwesterners? But um, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but our being American it kind of perks their ears up a little bit, and they're like, hey, where are you from? And then you mm-hmm. tell them, you know, I'm from Baltimore. Oh, wow, you know, and then they invariably tell you, oh, I have a cousin that lives in New Jersey because I think about a third of Uruguayans live in New Jersey or something like that. <laughs> and, and then that gives you an in to start to establish a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't. You can't. You can't go straight from. Oh, you're American. Where are you from? I'm from Baltimore. Oh, I have a cousin in New Jersey. Oh, that's interesting. Jesus loves you. You know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just because then they're just they're going to close right back up. So uh, you really, it's hard, I think, to be sincere and just sincerely love people where they are and not try to skip the steps. You know, um, and just go go for you know shoot your shot and and go for the i don't know like the the kennedy evangelism script you know to Mm -hmm. to share the gospel with people you really have to be involved in their lives before you get a chance to share what is important in your life and and obviously for us the most important thing in our lives is the the gospel Mm -hmm. yeah how uh, how important are is, is community and, and our relationships in Uruguayan culture? Because I know when we talk to missionaries in different regions, you know, cultures are, are, are they, they focus around different things than than maybe we as Americans are sure. are used to. How important is that that community base or, or relationships uh, in, in Uruguayan culture? I think the most important thing is the family, mm-hmm. and they did that on purpose the secularizing government really thought they could replace 
the rhythms of life that the Roman church kind of guarded, like holidays and, and family and things like that, education, and they could replace that and put the state and the family in that place. And so the family is as close as you get to something sacred in, in Uruguay is the family. And like Sunday is family day. Hmm. And so we have people who are new Christians, but their whole family is saying, well, you can't go to church. You have to be with your family. It's family day. And they have this thing where it's weird. We think of Uruguay as this this leftist, progressive, liberal, kind of hippie society but they're really, in a lot of ways, very culturally conservative. And so hmm. on on Sunday, you're supposed to be with your family. You're supposed to go over to grandma's house, and you're there with your, your uncles and your cousins. And, you're, you know, in the wintertime, your grandma makes stew. And in the summertime, your, one of your uncles does a barbecue or something like that. And that, that's, that's a sacred rhythm that they intentionally put in place of, you know, going to church on Sunday and stuff like that. So it, it's it's hard— to get into that because basically you're you're you know winnowing your way into someone else's family mm-hmm. is, is really to get to those connections so that's that's not always easy yeah yeah we have to take a quick break we're talking with the reverend james and angie sharp who serve the lord in uruguay we have more coming up you're listening to the coffee hour i'm sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I have the Reverend James and Angie Sharp with me in studio who serve the Lord in Uruguay. And we've been talking about uh, some of the cultural things of Uruguay and the ways that that you guys are able to serve um, and to share the gospel among the people of Uruguay. I'm interested more in um, uh, learning more about the work that you do uh, right w- right where you are, right where you're placed. Um, Angie, what are some of the other things that you're able to do in, in you know in your spare time uh, <laughs> between between teaching and and uh, teaching classes? Uh, what are some of the other ways that you're able to serve? So I'm also involved in children's ministry, and I work with a, a wonderful team. I work with the Lutheran Hour Ministries office in, in Uruguay and the church and the school. The school has a chaplain, and um, so we, we do all sorts of activities and events where we can invite children from many different places, not just from the school and the church, but we're reaching out in the community, in the neighborhood, in the public schools in the area, and offering these activities um, to to reach more people. Um, and so we bring these children all together to, to do a variety of things. We have some activities that are more like workshops, um, where the kids are learning something, but they're 
getting more than just, you know, learning about chemistry and electricity and crochet and things like that. They're Mm -hmm. learning about Jesus. And our team does a great job working together to do that. So because these children come from a lot of different backgrounds, um, we kind of go through this process of invite them to, to one thing. We we do a devotion, we talk about the Bible, and then we keep inviting them to more and more things. Um, that becomes an invitation to vacation Bible school. That becomes an invitation to Sunday school. That becomes an invitation to church for the, the family. And walking alongside these these people, these families, these children that we meet from a lot of different backgrounds. And the team works wonderfully in this way um, so that we're able to really stick with them through this process. Mm-hmm. How are you able to then uh, reach, reach more families? families and and bring people into the word and sacrament ministry that you have going on. One of the ways we we did this recently, we really expanded the kind of mercy work that we were doing. Before Mm. the pandemic, we had a a mercy center, a downtown center, an outreach center, whatever you want to call it, where we kind of waited for people to come to us Mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't really have the staff, I guess. And what the pandemic did was force us to go and seek people who need help. And and we were able to do that and get into neighborhoods and meet people that we wouldn't otherwise. The demographic of the school families and the neighborhood around the school is is pretty consistent. It's kind of upper middle class, you know, like I said. And this really forced us to get farther afield and the – nice thing about that is, you know, we were meeting people that we we never would have met otherwise and, and serving them and serving them with mercy rooted in, in love of God and Jesus. And so we've we've had some some success, you know, we've had people now brought into the church and through that confirmed and, and, and everything through this mercy ministry that that we started kind of out of necessity. Mm-hmm. What is uh, what does a Sunday morning look like? for you? Well, we have different Sunday mornings. It depends. <laughs> we, we work as a team. I, I have four Brazilian colleagues, and mm-hmm. we're, we're getting another uh, American missionary pastor and deaconess who will be coming pretty soon mm-hmm. with us. But uh, we, we work as a team, and we all have kind of our things that we're supposed to be focused on. But like I think I said earlier, we had one church, and, and we have missions. And so we kind of take those missions as as necessary, depending on who's doing what, when, and where. And so a Sunday morning might, a Sunday might be going to church in Prado, the, our main congregation, and preaching there, and then going in the afternoon to uh, one of the mission sites around the Montevideo area. It might be driving up, it's about a five-hour drive to our mission in the north, and staying overnight in a member's house, and then preaching in the morning and driving back, or there were... A few times, I'm not going to do this anymore because I've decided I'm too old to do this, but I would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, drive to our mission, <laughs> preach, and then drive home five hours. And uh, oh, I've decided I'm too old to do that, so I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it depends on the needs. But most Sundays, we have service in at least two places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I served a dual parish in Baltimore. It's not that different. Yeah. Who are who are the people that you're able to serve um, in in Montevideo, but also in those in those preaching stations that are that are further away? Um, paint a picture of of the these people that you're able to serve. The people in our mission, our in the north, a town called Chappaqui, uh, are mostly Volga Germans. 
uh, that settled in that area and that kind of had a, a connection with Lutheranism. And it's a really long story. My understanding is we only have 25 minutes. So I'm not going to tell you the whole story of Volga German immigration to the river. We'll do plate. that off air. Uh, yeah. But uh, we got connected with them. And, and then, you know, obviously they've married regular Uruguayan people. And so that gives us a, a connection in, into people that are mostly tenant farmers. Uh, a lot of the people in our mission pick oranges. They pick blueberries. Uh, if you get blueberries in the winter, look where they're from. There's a pretty good mm. chance that they'll say they're from Chappaqui, Paisandu Province, Uruguay. And cool. if so, Lutherans probably pick those. Nice. Uh, you know, um, in in our mission to the east of Montevideo, <coughs> pardon me, there are more, uh, there's more immigrants. We have a lot of immigrants that are there from from Cuba, from Venezuela, from the Dominican Republic, and, and stuff like that. And so it, it looks different in different places. But for the most part, once you get out of Milnavideo, everything revolves around agriculture. So, you know, it's not that different than being back in Iowa. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is the... What does the future look like? What are, what are your what are your plans moving <laughs> forward for uh, both the the Word and Sacrament Ministry in the churches and the, and the preaching stations and and also for the school? What do you guys what do you, what do you guys have in the works in in the plans for things? Well, like Angie said, the school has gotten to one thousand eight hundred students, and they've kind of decided they've maxed out what they can do at the campus where they are. And they're hoping that their next step will be to start more schools, mm-hmm. which every school will have a pastor and a chaplain working, a chaplain working in the school and a pastor working out of the school to plant churches. So we're excited about that. Uh, like I said, we're, we're getting a, a new couple of missionaries in Uruguay, uh, probably March or April, if my understanding is correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the team is growing there. And what we really would like to do is to continue to to gather the contacts that we have in the interior because a lot of people moved to Montevideo and then moved back out. And so we have members who have been living in Montevideo and come into the church and have been catechized and confirmed are now moving back to where they're from. And we're going to follow them back and gather those people together, gather their family members, the contacts we make there, and and form more congregations, and then, Lord willing, also form ministers and, and other workers to serve those congregations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, you guys are here in the States. Does that mean you're on home service? We are we on are. home service. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you uh, gone to visit places already, or, or is this are we are we one of your first stops here in St. We, Louis? We are. You are one of our first stops. So we've done a, a little bit here and there close to where I'm from in Denison, Iowa. Um, and now we're starting on our great adventure, um, <laughs> going to visit uh, many different congregations. And really, it's a blessing. Like Home service can be stressful and it can be tiring. Um, but to stand in front of people who send you uh, to do mission work and, and being able to share with them what's going on and, and you know tell our story after... You know, almost seven years on the mission field and looking back from where we started and where we are now. It's a really exciting time. Yeah. Where are you going to be able to uh, travel to? We will head from St. Louis up to Fort Wayne and we'll be in the seminary there for a day at the symposia. Mm -hmm. And then with a church there, St. Peter's that supports us. And then from there to Geneva, Ohio, then to Niagara Falls, Ithaca, New York, 
then down to Alexandria, Virginia, then back up to Malvern, Pennsylvania, then down to Williamsburg, Virginia, <laughs> and then uh, back home to Iowa to pack up and, and go back to Uruguay. And, you know, we'll have some school chapels and some other congregations that we'll visit during the week, but that's those are the Sundays. So Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That is that is quite a trek. Yes. <laughs> what is it like to be able to um, to connect with these people that uh, that have been supporting you this whole time, and to be able to share all of these stories that, that you're sharing with us, but to share these stories with the people that have been supporting you and praying for you? It's really, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Neat. I, I don't know why that came to me, but it, it's really neat. It's just I, I I really get a kick out of it. I enjoy it. Because we have relationships now with people. Like the first yeah. time when we're doing initial support raising, you know, you're kind of stressed out because, you know, you have to get to a certain amount of support or you're not going to go on the field. Mm-hmm. And all you want to do is get on the field as soon as you can. And so there's really an added level of stress there. But now, you know, we've got congregations and individuals. You know, I think we have somewhere around 300 different donors that wow. are supporting us regularly. That's awesome. You know, and so we know people, we remember them, they remember us, they know how old our kids are, they yeah. they have followed along and they're really interested in what we're doing and they're really knowledgeable about what we're doing and so they ask really good questions about what we're doing and so as we go on it's it's fun to reconnect with those people and to to see those people again face to face and and to be able to thank them in person and yeah it, it's it really is fun I I think that a lot of people especially if there there are any people who actually listen to me when I'm on the coffee hour but uh, <laughs> and who are considering missionary service I know a lot of people the the idea of home service and support raising scares them off like mm-hmm. oh I, I've heard that. 11 billion times, as my dad would have said, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to raise my own salary. But we don't really do that. What we do is tell people what we're doing, and the Lord provides. And it's fun. It's really fun. I I really enjoy being in front of people and telling people what we're doing and and seeing the same people again and again as we come back now every few years and and having a chance to, to tell them thank you for helping us to do this ministry. It's 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 great. I, I really enjoy it. I, I look forward to home service. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. really uplifting just you know, you know that people are praying for you and you know these mm-hmm. congregations are, are praying for you. But to stand in front of someone and they tell you that they're praying for you and being able to pray together um, when we're able to do these presentations, it's it's another thing. It's it's very nice. Yeah. So it's a beautiful representation of the body of Christ to be able to to come together to support this this work that you guys are a part of. Um, how can we follow your work? How can we uh, stay in touch uh, online? Sure, uh, we have the Facebook. It's Sharp Mission Uruguay. You can check us out lcms.org/sharp, uh, of course. And, uh, we're happy to take your questions or whatever we can do for you to let you know what we're doing. Very good. Well, God's blessings on your home service, safe travels, uh, and of course, on the work that that you're able to do in Uruguay. Thanks so much for joining me in studio today. Thank Thank you. you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.